Hey guys, welcome. There's a lot of them. <laughs> okay, well, you were good and okay, it's fine. Okay. Wait, can it's, I go? Uh, yeah. Hey guys, welcome back to K Studies with the Buddies. My name is Madeline. And my name is Sydney. And this week we have a guest that's going to be joining us. Hi, my name's Morgan, and this week we're going to be talking about Richard Ramirez. Okay, so let me go back up to my case study. I wish you were. <laughs> so Richard Ramirez, also known as the Night Stalker, was a children of five. He um, was born in Juarez, Mexico, and his father was a former police officer. But he actually ended up working on the Santa Fe Railroad because it was better money and he could be in the United States, which he felt would be a better opportunity for his children. And his dad was always like a hardworking man and stuff, and he tried to support his family, but he was also very abusive. He would frequently beat all his kids and his wife. Okay, along with his father, his cousin was also a major influence in his bad behavior. Okay, so his cousin Miguel was a former Green Beret combat army soldier who actually served in the Vietnam War. And he was obviously very messed up for that, and you know, a lot of, especially then, mental health wasn't taken very seriously, so he never really got help for his PTSD, mm-hmm. and so it led him to do things not very good. Yeah, he would show Richard videos and pictures, or not necessarily videos, but like pictures and tell him stories and everything about how he would like murder people in the war and rape women, and yeah. um, he showed Richard like a very graphic picture of like a woman's head chopped yeah. off, basically. And, um, so yeah, it was just not a good environment, and then, actually, one of the big things is that one day, him, Miguel, and his wife, which is Richard's sister, they got into a very heated argument, and Miguel shot her in the face, right in front of Richard. Yeah. And we kind of see that being, like, in his killings, because he shot most of his victims in the face. Yeah, and he was also 10 at this time, so if it would obviously, growing up, that would affect you. Oh, yeah, totally. And so after he lived with them, um, obviously, Miguel was put in jail for that and everything. For, like, four years. In a mental institution because he pled insanity. But um, then he went to live with his other... Okay. Richard was sent to live with his other sister, and her husband's name was Roberto. Roberto would take Richard to go... (laughs) in girls' windows and look at them changing and other weird stuff. Yeah, so Roberto was, like, a really weird man, and he would, like, take Richard to, as Morgan just said, like, look in girls' windows, and, you know... It's just not a good habit for Yeah, and it's not, and it's not, like, um, Richard, like, chose to do this. He just really didn't want to go home, and that was, like, the only thing he could do. So... I guess we'll get into him, like, going into high school. So, when he was a teenager, he started to, like, this is weird, and I'm probably going to laugh, but he would associate his sexual fantasies with, like, with violence. And so, that was just, like, when you're, this is going to get real for a second, when you're a hormonal teen, you don't need to associate that with, like, violence, because that's not going to end well. Like, that's not going to end well, I guess. But um, then he got a job at a hotel. And yeah, so um, when he got a job at his hotel, he um, he obviously had, like, a key because he could get into anyone. 
like their room so he went and he would go into their rooms and just kind of steal stuff and just do whatever so one day there was a young couple staying in a room the husband was gone it was just the wife and Richard decided to go in there and rob them well he didn't know the lady was in there so he decided to rape her and when he was raping her um or like attempting to the yeah. husband came home and like obviously that didn't go down well and they were gonna press charges on Richard but then they decided they didn't want to have to travel back and forth for trial because they lived out of state. So they dropped the charges, which was a ba- bad decision. Yeah. So he ended up, after like getting fired from this job and stuff, he ended up dropping out of high school in the ninth grade, which is kind of sad. But then at the age of 22, he decided he was going to move from Texas to California, like forever. So when he moved, he first stayed in San Francisco. And that's where he committed his first murder. Yeah. And, and it, we don't have to get into every single murder because there were just so yeah, many. Yeah, there was a lot. But we can kind of do like a little recap. Like basically he just killed, he killed people in San Francisco and then he went to California, like Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> San Francisco's in California anyway. But um, yeah, so he killed people like all ages, all race, all gender. Um, He really didn't have like a one victim mm-hmm. pool. So... He typically liked to kill a lot of old women when they were sleeping. Like, a lot of them were, like, but 50 were like to, like, 70. But then there was the occasional, like, and husband. Like, they get, like, nine-year-old. Like, husband. <laughs> but, um... Or, like, the occasional 22-year-old. Yeah. So, like, that. there was, like, a couple, but... Um, he... He also killed a woman because he was trying to steal her car, and he did that for other petty crimes, too. Yeah. Okay. So, while the trial was going on, and, or while, like, evidence was being collected, and at the crime scene, obviously, the people found out that Richard was into satanic worship. Um, in one of the cases, he wrote a pentagram and lipstick on a victim's thigh, and also on the walls and everything. Yeah. So, that's what, um... He associated with the. Um, so. <laughs> so in one case, he went into a couple's home, and they were they were pretty young. This was one of the younger ones. Um, they were about thirty, and um, he thought it was just them. He went in and he shot the husband in the head, and then he did some not good things to the wife. But he tied her up, and he turns around, and their eight-year-old son is staring at him. And so then he kind of freaks out and didn't know what to do. So he tied him up as well and drug him around the house, um, telling him to swear to Satan. Which I just wanted to say that because it ties in with what Madeline's saying about him doing satanic stuff. He told him to swear to Satan that he wasn't lying to him and hiding stuff from him. After this eight-year-old just watched his mom or his dad get shot and his mom get raped. Raped. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of, he's just very, like, all the people we talk about on this mm. show are it's just very weird, but he was just, that like, woman, crazy, like, just absolutely that, psychotic. Yeah, that woman that you were talking about that he drew the pentagram on, he, like, he found, like, wires and electrically, like, oh, yeah. shocked her. Like, yeah, they, both of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he had, like, 25 victims or something like that, um... Most of his crimes happened at night and in Los Angeles or San Francisco. And some of the evidence that was found, there he left footprints. 
He left a footprint, like, in the garden area of one yeah. house, and he also left one on the face of a victim. Yeah. Which is... I don't remember which one it was, but apparently he kicked her so hard to get yeah. her down that he left yeah, shoe prints. Yeah, he left shoe prints, yeah. And he also left, like, bullet casings and everything. Yeah. Um, Ooh. So, Richard would, like, wipe down his cars, like, really well, like, when he mm-hmm. would steal them, because he stole a lot. In one car, he didn't, and they found... It was either the window or the rear view mirror. I, I know it was on the driver's side. He forgot to wipe off a fingerprint, and they found it, and that's how they fi- that's how they figured out that it was Richard because it matched him since he had a criminal record previously for that okay. one thing in the hotel. And then they basically did the LAPD did a new like a comp or a press conference, and they posted on a bunch of news outlets, basically telling Richard that they know who he is and they're gonna find him, which is just. He's going to run, like, obviously. Yeah, and the police actually had, like, a lot of run-ins with Richard. <laughs> so, now we'll, like, talk about when they caught Richard. So, after that conference that they did, um, Richard, like, got off this public bus, and he saw this stand of newspapers, and his face was just plastered all over it. So, he freaked out. He had he was coming back from San Francisco to L.A., so he just flipped out when he saw this, and he started running across the freeway, and he stopped this woman's car, and he tried to, like, carjack her, basically. Mm-hmm. And so he, like, took, he tried to get her out, and she was, like, fighting her off really well. And so this, these cars, like, started um, stopping and slowing down, and these people were yelling at him. So then he got frustrated, and he continued to run across the freeway. Tried to carjack two more people, didn't work. So he ended up running to, like, East Los Angeles, which is, like, a rough area. And this group of men were outside, and he tried to carjack someone on this, like, would you call it rural, like, road, yeah, like, just kinda abandoned. Not, like, not as big as LA. They were standing around, and <clears throat> they saw him trying to carjack this random man. And, you know, people in this area are a lot stronger than Richard, so they decided that they were going to go over there. They beat Richard up, like just beat him, and this him. one guy ripped a metal bar off of a building and just beat him. Yeah, because like, they knew him. who he was, like they saw his face. And yeah, everything. they just like, and they held him down until police came and arrested him, and that's how he got caught. Which is perfectly fine to me. So, now... Um, so, yeah, um, I just want to about one more, like we have another thing about like, instead of, and before legal outcome, we've got like motive and everything. So, the only, like, motive to me is, like, he was a victim first. Like, yeah. he was a victim of sexual, like... We are just so alike, because I thought he was trying to fill the void of, yeah. like, emotional <clears throat> abuse. Yeah, he was um, a victim of abuse and being, ex- uh, like, physical and mental abuse and being exposed to just extremely violent, like, sexual images and stories yeah. and physical... Um, I don't think at such a young I age. I think he was desensitized to it, like and he just, in a way. Cause yeah, his he was just cousin. sick, and that's what happens. And the legal outcome of this case was Richard was sentenced to the California gas chamber, but he didn't actually. He was on death row for like, a, I don't have the exact years, but until he was fifty-three years old, he didn't die. But he yeah. was convicted of thirteen murders, five attempted murders, eleven sexual assaults, and fourteen burglary burglaries yeah <laughs> so they they just like they sent it into the gas chamber but then they just stopped using the gas chamber so he basically got a freebie off of yeah, death he row didn't die until he contracted b-cell lymphoma he yeah. died in 2009 because of cancer yeah 
Um, I want to talk about something that, like, gave Richard, like, leverage to continue what he was doing. Or to try. Oh, I forgot to mention some important stuff. So, so, um, he, like, had a lot of fangirls for some reason. And, like, everybody loved him because he was so cute to them. Which is, like, kind of creepy. But Richard, like, there was this one lady named Cindy who, like, was was on the jury. Simply. She was on the jury, mm-hmm. and and she loved Richard. I didn't know that. His wife's name started with a J. I don't remember what it was. Yeah, he did. He had a lot of girlfriends. But Cindy was on the jury, and she just loved him. And she tried to like get a hung jury to um, so he wouldn't like be sentenced to prison. Yeah. But it didn't work out. Then there was a lady on the jury that. Um, was like really for convicting him and he had told um somebody in prison and the guards had overheard that he was going to um murder the prosecutor from inside the jail and he so he had planned to murder um the prosecutor from inside the jail and a guard had overheard him talking about it so he was like um he basically said that he was going to shoot and kill him like in the head he was going to shoot him in the head like which was his favorite thing with your gun in prison yep and so they overheard that and they were like what and so they had when they went to court the next day his like another trial date was the next day and they had to stop it because one of the jury that was really for killing him um was not she didn't show up and so they went to her house and she was dead on the floor shot in the head Oh they just gosh. didn't know what happened, but there was Maybe no, there was no possible way. <laughs> but then they figured out later that the boyfriend was like so mad at her that she had like followed through with this jury thing that he just um, killed her for doing it. Wow, that's crazy! I didn't know that. that okay, like, so now we'll get everyone. into like the kind of why this case is famous. I think it's famous because this made everyone feels scared everyone mm-hmm. in like the area because it was like a nine-year-old girl a 22 year old woman like these two like early 20s females and, and it then, was the 80s and yeah. like, no one knew what to do and so um yeah they took place in a very populated and growing part of the world like california mm-hmm. and so it just kind of got a lot of public publication and like it was just yeah. everyone was scared so yeah yeah i yeah so that's everything i hope you guys liked it Thank y'all for joining. So, we'll see you next week. Bye.